This is perhaps the most controversial thing I'm ever going to do on WAC. My last podcast was done based on interviewing and getting information from one of India's most senior Freemasons. Everything in that podcast, any Freemason in the world will confirm. It would be better if you do listen to the first part as there are many references and throwbacks to it. I've put a link in the description below. Yes, it's true. The Freemasons are a fraternity. Most men join the Brotherhood because of the charitable work and that they look after each other. But no Mason will ever confirm if there is any esoteric religious or occult aspect to their gatherings. From what I have learned, even most of them themselves will never find out even after spending a lifetime as a Freemason. Because after all, the hierarchy is very long, the history is very deep, and a lot of this is not spoken about freely, even behind closed doors. My name is Freesia, this is WAC, and here are a few disclaimers before I begin. The information in today's episode is very little research and a lot of it is just conversation with a person who does not want his name mentioned. The stuff that he, she told me was not just about the Masons, but more about the secret world of magic arts. So I repeat that what I'm going to say is not only about the Freemason society, but it's actually about the world of esoteric and occult practitioners. Everything that I am saying in this video, I could not really cross-reference and confirm on my own. And while looking for conspiracy theories, I found something fascinating and ancient. And why not explore new concepts with everyone, huh? So listen to what I am saying with an open mind. And I know that it's very easy to dismiss this as crazy talk. And just for the atheists and disbelievers, I would like to point out that at the entrance of the main building of the Higgs Collider is a giant statue, the Nataraja. And I'm not saying that some of the smartest minds in the world are Hindus. But what I am saying is that if these scientists are open to understanding concepts that are allegorical, then you who is listening to this podcast, maybe you should also be open to new ideas. Those in the audience who identify themselves as Christians and Muslims, some of the things I'm saying might offend you. All I want you to know is that these are not my personal beliefs and only that which someone else has told me and now I'm sharing this with the tribe. So let's get started. I guess the best point to start would be at the heart of the logo of the Freemasons. Does the G stand for God? Sure, at the end of the day, anything and perhaps everything that we see is there because some god wanted it. And also one of the main criteria of eligibility to be a Freemason is that you cannot be an atheist. But many people insist that if the G stands for Gnosticism, which means esoteric, mystical knowledge, old religions and magic, then the question arises that who are the Gnostics? And why do a lot of people believe that the G stands for it? Now think of an image of Kali Mata or Narasimha. If you had to show those images to a 16th century Christian in Europe, you would not be surprised if they thought that these were hellish and some kind of satanic imagery. For them to comprehend that this too can represent a divine force would be understandably difficult. And so here's a quick lesson in history. For 300 years after Christ, Christianity was still a tiny cult that did not have any real influence. 
The Roman Emperor Constantine ruled the Roman Empire and it was during his rule that Christianity was used as the weapon by the ruling classes. Constantine realized that nothing unites people like the fear of God. And if they don't want to accept your God as theirs, nothing changes their mind like killing everyone around them. Practitioners of all older religions in Europe were given the choice of accepting the Roman Bible or the sword. This extended across the Mediterranean and later to the Americas, both North and South. And funnily enough, India was one of the few places that both Christianity and Islam did not overrun completely. What Christianity did not conquer, Islam did. And by the 18th century, very little outside Asia was not ruled by one of these two religions. So what does all of this have to do with the Gnostics? Well, the Gnostics were practitioners of older religions who realized that if they did not want to convert, they would have to go underground. My own community, the Parsis, well, we chose to flee from what is today Iran and came to India instead of accepting Islam. In earlier days, the authority, meaning the church, used to consider anything which they can't control as a threat. <laughs> Some might say that this is true even today. And that's why people with this kind of mystical knowledge were singled out and hunted down. I was shocked to know that until as recently as 1983, it was against the church's laws for its members to become Freemasons. And so I assume that maybe that's why the G from Gnostic was very quickly changed to just God. There's nothing wrong with esoteric knowledge. But the two biggest religions on earth were programmed to believe that if certain knowledge doesn't fall in the confines of their religious books, then it must be evil. Another example, why don't you think of an image of Satan and then think of an image of Lucifer? See, you will be forgotten if you thought that both of them were the same energy. Think of the Greek god Pan. Centuries before Christ was born or Constantine started his Christian Inquisition, people across Europe worshipped Pan. Now Pan, he was the god of spring harvest. He played the flute, he drank wine, he indulged in music, dancing and fun. And when the Christians wanted to replace their old gods with the new, the easiest thing was to depict evil in the form of old gods. Pan was half animal, half man, and so he was the opposite of the Abrahamic god who had created man in his own image. And remember, I asked you to think of that image of Kali in the beginning? Because another thing that existed for thousands of years was the Divine Feminine, the Mother God. Her temples were run by priestesses and women were respected enough to be consulted about spiritual matters. And only with the advent of these new religions, God became a male force. So have you ever seen the image of an inverted pentagram? They call it the goat head or the satanic image. And then if you think of an image of the female reproductive system, they pretty much look the same. Worshipping feminine energy was not okay with the church and believers in goddesses like Hecate and Ishtar and Aphrodite were labelled as believers in the Antichrist. Now think about a Lakshmi Puja held at home. What happens? A learned man comes, says certain words in a certain order and cleanses the air and brings a feel-good and wholesome energy to a space. As far as the church is concerned, at least in the 16th or 19th century, 
this would be considered as black magic. One man's Lakshmi Puja is another person's black magic. One man praying to Pan is another man's Satanism. Even as recently as World War II, Hitler believed that the Masons were evil and under the Nazi regime, it's estimated that between 80,000 to 2 lakh Freemasons were murdered. During that time period, the royalty and wealthy intellectuals of Europe started getting interested in this kind of knowledge. But understand that they are born and raised in very different situations. In India, if a member of the family wants to learn about yoga or Vedas, mantras or tantras, society applauds them and reverse them. The same in Europe? Not cool at all. In all of this comes two names that I would like you to Google. Alistair Crowley and the OTO. Both of them have their roots in Freemasonry and the Gnostics. They realized that saying words and doing things with objects, mantra, tantra, yantra, could achieve goals that were out of the ordinary. The rituals of the Freemasons are also very precise. Everything is being said and done only in a particular order and manner. Because this went against everything that the church stood for, where you had to submit to their priest and could not take any action yourself, they were classified as antichrists. The point is that none of this is antichrist. It might be anti-church or anti-Rome. Next comes the eye in the pyramid symbol and how it is linked with the Illuminati or the Illuminated. Illumination meaning light, which allows one to see. In India, we consider an enlightened man as worthy of respect, but their propaganda wants you to have blind faith. And if you can see, you must be evil. People believe that there must be a deep connection behind the eye of the providence, which appears as a Masonic symbol, a symbol for the Illuminati, and something that we also see on the $1 bill. More often, the Illuminati are believed to be a group that controls everything, using other organizations like the Freemasons, governments, banks, and even the entertainment industry as tentacles of control. I've put an article in the description if you want to deep dive into the Eye of Providence as a symbol with a secret meaning. Another reason why the Freemasons are linked to the Illuminati and the New World Order is because of the Georgia Guidestones. Now, this mysterious structure has a very interesting story. It suddenly appeared in 1980 and was commissioned under a pseudonym R.C. Christian. On the stones were inscribed 10 commandments in 8 different languages. There was English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese and Russian. Now these were thought to be commandments for the new world order. And what terrified people the most was commandment number 1, which says, Maintain humanity under 50 crores in perpetual balance with nature which basically means that the population needs to be brought down to half a billion. Now I can see why this is scary for a lot of people. It doesn't help with conspiracy theorists pointing out how Hollywood has also regularly pushed the idea of wiping out large amounts of population into the collective consciousness. Rumor has it that the people who commissioned this were connected with the Freemasons. So let's think of that pseudonym of the person that had commissioned the entire structure. R.C. Christian. Could also be Rosso Christian. 
In fact, many Freemasons were believed to be Rosicrucians and vice versa. Another conspiracy theory about the Freemasons is their connection with Judaism because of the symbols that they share in common. In Judaism, we have the Tree of Life and in the Freemasons, we see two pillars that we see on all their certificates. Ask any Freemason and he will give you a simple answer that the pillar is thought to be that which one enters Freemasonry through. And in Judaism, if one has to see the Tree of Life, then you would also see that it has two pillars on the left and the right pretty identical to the Masonic symbols. So do the Masons study the Kabbalah? I don't see why not. In fact, today, many people in popular culture, like Madonna, are also trying to understand its spiritual significance. The point of everything that I am saying is that propaganda has are convinced that there is no need to know what the old religions were talking about and that this kind of information, it's evil or like they like to call it, satanic. But these are the same people who have waged many wars and killed more innocent people than anyone else on the planet. So tell me, who should we believe? Look, I warned you that in this episode, I was going to go in a direction that perhaps not many people have heard of before. And when I spoke to my source, we spoke for such a long time, I don't even think I've given you half of what she told me. The stuff I omitted, it was pretty freaky and magical. So, does one really want to even go in that direction? I would love to hear from you if you are listening to this podcast. You can reach out to me on any of my social media handles. And if you would like to watch the video version of this episode, we've also linked that in the description below. My name is Freesia, this is Wack, and like the hermits say, as above, so below. As without, so within. And do what thou wilt. Love is the law. Love under will. If you don't know what that means, you should Google it. I'll catch you again very soon. Ciao. Thank you for listening to this episode of WAC. To make sure that you don't miss out on a new episode, subscribe to and follow the show on this app right now.